now I'm the mouthpiece on a national stage for a, a, a cause and a fight that's been happening since the beginning of this nation. And so mm-hmm. there's like these weighty things that I'm, you know, I'm trying to navigate. Yeah. All while, okay, I need to hit this free throw right now. <laughs> Lead by Example with Bob Myers is presented for the people by Caesars Sportsbook. You bet, you get. With Caesars Rewards, must be 21 or older. Welcome to Lead by Example. I'm your host, Bob Myers. Today, we have the uh, privilege of welcoming Maya Moore Irons on the program. And um, I'm really excited. I don't know you. Um, obviously, know of you. You probably don't know of me. Um, but, you know, looking at your life or your career i can't believe how much you've actually won you you win at such a high level um and and some people i've gotten to be around in my life have have won as well but you it's amazing and i'm wondering when you were young um a young girl was that just always how it went for you or did something happen or were you just better or were you more willing what do you remember that far back and when something triggered or anything happened? Yeah, I think so much. Well, one of the exciting reasons that um, I'm, I'm excited to share more of my story with the world is because a lot of people were introduced to me, uh, you know, on a national stage after I had become a winner. Yeah. Um, and so there was so much work, so much life that, had happened before then. So I'd say around high school is when, uh, you know, people started to know me for basketball. And, uh, but so much life had happened before that I was born uh, to a single mom in the middle of the country in Missouri and was raised with a whole bunch of loving extended family. And uh, my mom would call me, she called me a very spirited child. So I was always running around. I had a lot of energy. And so naturally she tried to put me in something organized to get that energy out. Um, Through the encouragement of my great aunt, she was like, well, so-and-so runs a girls basketball team down the road. Why don't you sign her up for that? So it really wasn't any more planned out than that. And so I started to play sports. I played every sport you could think of. And I eventually just kept playing AAU year after year after year after year and around 11, 12 years old, I really started to become a little more separated than my than my peers. I grew a lot. Yeah. Um, and I just really love to, I have a very engaged, focused personality when it comes to things that I want to do. Uh-huh. And so I think that that energy and the focus um, and the achievement yeah. uh, that I, I'm, I'm pretty achievement driven. So I think that combination, as well as just having great support, and being in the right place at the right time really helped me get to so many winning situations. When you say achievement oriented, does that mean when you were young, you were going into an AAU tournament thinking, I got to win this thing because it feels great to win? Or were you one of those people that was, your word, spirited, meaning I can't stand feeling what it feels like to lose? You know, I think my relationship with sport and playing had a lot of really good foundations. I think um, 
but I definitely learned some things. I had to grow and adjust. Um, I, I just like doing well. Like if there's something to do yeah. and I'm on a group and the teacher or the coach or the adult says, this is your goal. Now go out and do yeah. it. I'm like, all right, let's go. Just because yeah. it's a goal yeah. and I wanted to, to do it. And so if I didn't do it, I'd be upset. But when I was younger, it was like, oh man, this, this doesn't feel good, but where are we going to eat pizza? Okay, I, I, you know, right, it, right, it was okay. really yeah. a sweet, yeah. sweet kind yeah. of tender place. Yeah. But as I got yeah. older, it was like, yeah. okay, I got a little more into kind of perfectionism yeah. and I had to kind of check myself of like, okay. And then coaches, yeah. you know, guiding me along the way of how to balance, like wanting to achieve, but also yeah. leaving space yeah, yeah, for, yeah. for failure. Well, and um, and so. your mom, so is that, you know, we always, as we look back and you're older now and you're a mom yourself and you wonder what made you, you, did you know, or when did it click in your mind? Like my mom is doing a lot. She's carrying a pretty big load to do what she does. And you meant you moved around. She had different jobs. Um, you know, I don't, the AAU circuit isn't easy. I don't know if she came and watched your games or if she was able to, or it could afford to, I don't, I don't even know how that works for single, single moms, um, how they even do it. But were you cognizant mm -hmm. of that growing up? Did you yeah. say, wow, my mom, um, she's pretty unique or, or did that come later? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's kind of the normal experience of the older I got, the more I realized, oh, wow, my mom is awesome. Right. Right. <laughs> um, I think one of the, one of the points that I remember, I think noticing more was middle school when we moved. I grew up in Jefferson City, Missouri until I was 11 years old and growing up in a single parent household with a mom who got up and went to work every day was yeah. normal to me. And um, I, I just saw her model hard work and, um, but also she would take me to every practice yeah. and she would be there for everything. And so Again, the two of the biggest things role modeled for me was hard work and showing up. Yeah. So she she made it work. I think she made it to every single one of my AAU practices and games until I was sixteen. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> so she had pretty much two full time jobs yeah. of being with me and supporting me and working. Uh, but also, you know, we'll I end up sharing um, in the book that we had some extra family support too when times yeah. got hard. So. We needed a community. We needed family to make sure my mom was able to be there uh, for me and just to have that, that steady yeah. support. You seem really um, measured. And um, is that a reason? Have you always had this demeanor about you? Pretty calm. I mean, very kind of thoughtful. And, yeah. you know, for, for somebody that's one that you're like, I, I mean, where, um, is that always you? Is that you? Is that who you are? Is that evolution of you or? Um, yeah, both. I think both. Um, I don't yeah. think I was very measured as a kid. I was more of like my mom having to come to school because I wouldn't stop talking, <laughs> getting in trouble. Um, so I was definitely a very high energy kind of just do what I feel kind of a kid. Um, but I think right. as I got older and just became more aware of the fact that what I do matters and the way I impact mm -hmm. people matters and we impact each other. Um, I think just becoming more aware of a as a teammate, more aware of, oh, people are listening to me. 
it yeah it just made me kind of pause and even having the opportunity to speak on a national stage to media as a high school yeah. it just kind of made me yeah practice being a little more mindful of what I was saying and how I was coming coming off I don't know maybe she's being an older cousin and knowing like I'm a role model and what I say right. you know what I say and do has consequences um yeah. and yeah I think it's 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 definitely part of my personality now <clears throat> there's a story that when you were at UConn I don't know if this is true but I guess they played Jeopardy or something and you lost and you you, you couldn't you couldn't handle it it sets you off course for the whole day I mean, are you that kind of, and, and the reason that resonates a little bit is, did you ever, um, did you ever interact, you probably did, with, with Kobe Bryant? You, I'm sure you met him. Mm-hmm. Did, you, did you know him well, or? I interacted yeah. with Kobe so, so, so maybe he, once or twice. Okay, so I, I met him when I was 20-ish, 22 or 3, and was around him enough to know, you know, wasn't hard to see his drive. For anybody, but I got to see off the court, the off the court competitiveness, and how kind of crazy irrational it was. But it, but it, but in a way that told you why he was so successful on the court. Um, to the point of, and the reason I bring that story up about you is, I find that some of the people that are the most successful um, athletes, um, that, that, that's that's everywhere in their life. Um, and, and I'll, and sometimes hard to corral. I don't, you don't seem, again, I don't know you very well at all. You don't seem like the one that flips over the monopoly table after a loss, but maybe there's like a side of you that you just, it's, it comes out when you step yeah. into that, that fire or that moment. Um, is that, or, or maybe that was you and that's, mm-hmm. you, you know, that's a hard thing to carry around all the time. Yeah. I mean, everything you just said, it, it hits on it a little bit. It kind of in my, the evolution of me. Um, I think when I was younger, like I was mentioning about like the perfectionism kind of taking, taking over and coming out of, I would get very uh, outwardly frustrated when things weren't going well or if I was losing or not, you know, not doing as well as I wanted. And then when I got to UConn, UConn is like this incubator for competitiveness. Um, you have mm-hmm. all the most competitive talented players um, that have an opportunity to be brought into that program. And the years I was there, it was just, it was unreal, you know, with players like Renee Montgomery and Tina Charles. And um, we, we were just a really um, competitive bunch. And so we would play games like you mentioned. And if I didn't win and I would, I would, I would not like that. And so I think the height of my competitiveness in that way was was really formed at UConn. Um, And then you get to the pros and you realize, okay, the amount of energy and passion that you put into college is different than the pros because the pros is a long game. Like college is four years, one season at a time. You're still 18, 19, 20. And... You just you're you're really bonded with your team. It's just a unique experience. When the pros, like you're playing on different teams, you're you know, you're playing for years and years and years. And so you have to learn how to really be efficient. And so I think my mm-hmm. my competitiveness and my passion transitioned into efficiency. Um yeah. and then, you know, just later on 
in my life. I still like to play and, and, and do well. I still have an achievement uh, itch, but right. I also think the perspective that I have about where my energy and passion goes into and how animated I get about something is, is a little different than yeah. it would have been 10 years ago. It was. Yeah. Would you say you were on all the teams? I, I mean, you don't have to say it, but I imagine you were on most of your teams, if not all the best player. Were you also the leader? I mean, was that natural for you or, or were you, cause on our team, I could say Steph Curry's a leader. Um, but Draymond Green's another type of leader, very different personalities, but, but, but I don't know your teams. Was it mm -hmm. at UConn? Was it when you walked in the room and at halftime when you said something or did you, whether it was pros, when you're playing with a lot of different people, how would you characterize yourself in that, in that vein? Yeah. I have such a unique journey in, in that I, my leadership journey was so healthy, I think, and just so helpful to me because generally, even in high school, the teams that I entered in, when I, when I entered onto a team, there were seniors or upperclassmen or vets that knew what they were doing. And so I didn't have to immediately right. come in and be the person. I was still going to sure. be me and be very yeah. effective, yeah. but I was not yeah. the fullness of the leader that I would become after a few years mm -hmm. of growing, having Coach Oriema, you know, open my eyes to some things about leadership and just, right. you know, developing those relational skills that it takes to be a leader, you know, yeah. within your personality. Um, I think there yeah, were some sure. relational lessons I had to grow and learn in. Um, I, I think I was, I was, pretty good at doing my own thing, but I had to learn how do I do my own thing, but also do that with other players in a way that really just buys them in and, and inspires and encourages and brings out the best yeah. in them other than just being a good player myself, if that sure, makes sense. Sure. But uh, I, yeah, no, I, I mean, learned how to yeah, be a vocal leader and um, try to be measured again about what I say so that when I say something, it it's, it's helpful um, but I always led by example, literally every, right. everywhere that I go, it's just, that's, that's the type of person yeah. I am. I, I try to lead by yeah. example. What's like the best, you know, and I want to get to your, what you're doing now and your, and your book and everything all, which, which I think is all more important than all this. And, and I curious to see what you, what you feel, but, um, as far as playing, what, what you're most proud of and, and was there a moment where you used that leadership skill where you were, that you can recall and say, you know what, um, this was a hard moment. Cause usually when you have to lead many times is, is not an easy thing. Yeah. Um, and you said, I, I had to do this and I, I, I did do it and it worked out or maybe, maybe it even didn't work out, but I had to say something, I had to do something, um, in that capacity. Ooh, that's a great question. Um, I think the first thing that's actually popping in my mind is a, is an example from high school where we had a player who was having some, some major struggles off the court in her personal life. And it was impacting our practices, like our team. Right. As far as the standard and the bar that we, you know, the coaches had set and that, that, that we had set, this player wasn't meeting. And so it was like, what do we do? Do we kick this person off the team? Like, do we hold the bar? 
you know, hold the line? Like, how do we get through this? And, you know, I'm like 16, 17 years old and just talking through it with the coach at the time and, and my mom. And it was one of those things of like, well, let's just invite her over for dinner. Let's like really connect with the person because clearly something's up. We don't just, you know, say, Hey, you're not cutting it. See you later. Um, and I just, I remember that of kind of a bigger than basketball moment of like, at the end of the day, it's not necessarily about holding, holding the line of, Mm -hmm. of performance. It's about, it's about people. And what do we, what can I do to help you be well? Because that's what sports should be about. It should be about bringing out the best in each other and in our communities. And so um, I remember learning that lesson or getting a chance to start learning that lesson early on in high school like that. Yeah, yeah. She ended up staying on the team, and we ended up winning (laughs) (laughs) a lot of games after that. Yeah, it's fascinating that you referenced the people part because um, people listening, I mean, you know this better than I do even, but these team frameworks are so intimate that um, to, to skip the part about who someone is makes it hard to function as a team. You know, if, if you just gloss over and say, oh, we're just, we're just on the court together, mm-hmm. eventually the humanity of it comes in, good or bad. Um, maybe more in college, like you said, it's more fraternal or, or it's, it's more of a close-knit thing. Uh, but in the pros, there's, there's maybe more at stake. There's more pressure. There's more scrutiny. Not, UConn, I don't know that you can get more pressure than that. But I think it's fascinating that people assume these environments are just people show up and play basketball together. Mm-hmm. When, when in fact, it's, you know, planes, yeah. weekends, holidays, injuries, families, uh, spouses. Um, and to connect with someone like you did, that's, that's interesting that you learned that at a pretty, pretty young age to say, if I'm gonna break through here, I can't just give them a speech on go, to, go see a therapist, you know, <laughs> get your life together. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. So that's, that's really interesting. More lead by example after this. Have you been betting with the Caesar Sportsbook and Casino app? If so, keep it up because every bet earns with Caesar's rewards. That means win or lose, you're getting closer to amazing perks like game tickets, free stays, bonuses, and more. And if not, well, when you get started, your first bet is on Caesars. Register with promo code Omaha Full and place your first bet up to $1,250. If you win, congrats. If you don't, you'll get your stake back as a free bet. Must be 21 or older, offer valid and must be physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Michigan, New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming only. New users and first $10 plus wager only. Must register with eligible promo code. Bet amount of qualifying wager returned only if wager is settled as a loss. Maximum bet credit $1,250. Must be used within 14 days of receipt. Tier credits and reward credits will be added to account within seven days after qualifying wager settles. See Caesars.com slash promos for full terms. Void where prohibited. Know when to stop before you start. Gambling problem 
problem. Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. Colorado, Wyoming, Kansas, affiliated with Kansas Crossing Casino, call 1-800-522-4700. Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Louisiana, call 1-877-770-STOP. Licensed through Horseshoe, Bossier City, and Harris, New Orleans. Michigan, call 1-800-270-7117. Illinois, Maryland, New Jersey, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Pennsylvania, affiliated with Harris, Philadelphia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER, 1-800-426-2537. Or West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NEW-YORK or text HOPE-NEW-YORK, 467-369. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. And we're back. So, now, your book... And, and I want to, I mean, it's all in there, but when you, first of all, writing a book, I want to talk about that part, but I want to save that for later. But before the book, there was, there are things you did and decisions you made um, that I want to talk about how you made them and how easy or hard they were because, um, and I want you to tell your story too as best you can in that um, I decided these are, you take these words, but you decided I'm going to spend my energy here. And was that clear? Was that, um, was that strong in you or or was there conflict? Um, You know, walk me through your journey um, and, and your fight. For, for justice, the book's called Love and Justice, um, for your husband, um, now you have a family. Um, that, that, that is, that's the uniqueness of you. I mean, obviously you're, you're unique in your success as an athlete and um, as a leader, but now you've, th- this is a step most don't take, right? There's a sacrifice to it. Um, there's a selflessness to it. Um, but how does that all live in you? I know that's a big question. Yeah. But, but but when did that kind of bubble up in you, or how? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, you we're we're on a journey, right? We're 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 living every day. We're growing. We're being shaped. Um, and I think it, it'd be hard for me to articulate this journey if I didn't articulate the most important relationship in my life, which is God and my, my faith and how I, how my worldview of life and what matters most is heavily influenced by Jesus. And so Mm -hmm. I came into basketball with that already in process, Mm -hmm. that relationship already happening. And so 
I would like to think I'm growing every day, every year, um, in maturity, in love, in becoming more of who I was created to be. And so all this is happening, you know, mainly behind the scenes because that's not something you really get to see in someone unless you live life with them. Um, And so I am, you know, growing and wrestling with the dynamic of trying to be faithful in my context of being a pro and Mm -hmm. just being helpful and being a loving person, being life-giving, but also being well and not killing myself uh, because you can easily kill yourself in any successful industry by just going too hard and not counting the cost uh, of success. And so I'm, I'm navigating that side of things. I'm navigating my personal relationship with Jonathan um, in our own relationship, as you'll see more in the book of how that was growing and, right. and the nuances right. of that. And then there's another dynamic of, oh, now, because I decided to use my voice to shine a light on Jonathan's plight and the plight of many others and systematic issues and community issues. Now I'm the mouthpiece on a national stage for a, a, a cause and a fight that's been happening since the beginning of this nation. And so mm-hmm. there's like these weighty things that I'm, you know, I'm trying to navigate. Yeah. All while, okay, I need to hit this free throw right now. <laughs> you know, it's like yeah. <laughs> there's so many layers to us as human beings, right? A lot. And a lot. so I think, you know, in 2018, probably the last few years of my career, and and again, I'm glad I got a chance to touch some on this in the book. It's not the whole book, but some mm-hmm. some of my journey in the book of of just. I'm I'm more and more realizing what my heart is beating for and the things that I'm passionate about and the energy that I have <laughs> and where yeah. is my energy yeah. pulled because to do yeah, what I sure. did and to do what we do takes an extraordinarily yeah. amount of energy and focus and commitment. Um, like you said, yeah. a lot of people just think we show up and this just happens. Um, yeah. You know, not yeah. literally, yeah. but all of the work no, that it takes yeah. Only yeah. a, a, a small percentage of what yeah. it takes is able to be seen. And that makes sense, you know, right. um, if, right. if, you if you're not in our lives. But yeah. by the time... Let me, let me just interrupt you for one one thing. Sure. My, when you said, it's interesting, when you said you had to weigh, only you could understand, when you said the success could be killing you. Um, that's an interesting thing because you know the cost of the success personally. Right. You know what it takes to do what you did. Most people, I find, don't really care um, about the cost because it's not their cost. You're making them happy. Um, Your life from afar seems perfect. No one's is. Mm -hmm. Um, But then you had to sit with yourself and your faith and say, what am I doing this for? um, And who am I doing this for? And, And I guess you, as you said, the last few years of your career or then there was a moment where you go, I know the answer. Um, I just got to do it now. I would imagine there was pretty decent opposition, not, not, not mean spirited, but how much support did you have to make that decision or how much opposition did you have where, where it was kind of like, Maya, what do you do that later? Or that nobody's going to fix that, you know, let somebody else do that. You're wasting your time. I mean, how much, how did you find that conviction? And you mentioned your faith. Um, 
were there also things you had to work through kind of voices, um, people, I don't know anybody that, that yeah, you kind of had to go. Yeah, I hear you, but right. Well. Yeah. I get your question. It's, <laughs> it's, I'm, I'm laughing because part of it, people that know me <laughs> know that I, um, don't listen to a lot of people. <laughs> I have a small group of people. I don't put my trust into people very easily. Um, I love people. I'm kind to people. But as far as the weight that someone has in influencing my heart or my life or my mind, I'm very, very, very picky um, about that. And also more science is coming out. Our brains were not created to have all that input anyway. Like we were created and designed in a way to where we really can only hold, you know, like, three people intimately, 12 people kind of medium intimately, maybe 50 people kind of acquaintance. And then our brains can't handle anything else. And so I think I had a pretty good rhythm with having wise counsel around me and people who actually knew what was Mm -hmm. going on with me to that I was actually listening to. And so I don't think I struggled at Mm -hmm. all with uh, people asking questions that didn't know me. Like I don't have the energy to try to listen or explain to someone who doesn't know me, but the people that do know me, I would share and wrestle and process with and the people that do know me love me and want me well. And I think the other half of that question is I wasn't well. And so it wasn't just this, this neutral decision. It was layered of, Mm -hmm. it wasn't just about Jonathan's cause. That was a big part of what I wanted to present for, but it was just a general, I think shift that I needed to make to be well. And so you know, when I what do you mean up, you weren't well? Like I, I was, I was not well. I was, I was not feeling like I needed to be in the pro space. Sure. Um, you know, mentally, emotionally, um, my was desire. Was it like was, was it a sadness or was it a um, just what didn't feel like yourself or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's one of those things where you feel like I'm not. This is not where I'm supposed to be, but I'm here. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily yeah. know what to do about it. And so there's an anxiety that comes sure. with that. There's a sad, like you said, a yeah. sadness that comes with that. But I also um, was very committed to that space and had friends. Sure. And yeah. I'm one of those people like yeah. when I'm in, I'm in. And so to come out of something, yeah. when you're one of those, I'm in, I'm in people. It is a whole, it's a whole thing. So, um, sure. so I knew I needed to, to, to step away so I could, I could rest and get well and really use my energy in the spaces that I needed to at home uh, for my own rhythm of life and to prepare for, for Jonathan's fight and the future that I was hoping that we would be able to have together. And it, it it totally paid off, but I also still use energy to invest into that public space of advocating and advocacy, which is a whole nother type of energy that, where you see yeah. opposition and you know people that don't know you saying things about it. it's it's it it can be um you know a discouraging space but at the same time I still had a lot of focus on actually you know listening to people that I knew because I know Jonathan so yeah. I, I have a level of yeah. confidence in speaking with authority because I had witnessed so many things over a decade plus and so I just wanted yeah. to speak speak into that and um try to be helpful 
which again takes yeah. a lot of energy and still does. Did you have feelings? <clears throat> were your feelings for him? Did you, as you embarked on it, um, were those things that were there previously or like dormant or developed or strong going into it? Um, you know, were those things that um, you discovered or, or discovered that were always there? I, I don't how How would you describe that connection? Yeah. Oh, our story. So interesting. Uh, very unexpected. And, you know, we, we, we share about that um, a good bit in the book. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Uh, I will say we had been forming um, a relationship. We were friends for about six years before we right. realized that more than friendship was there. And so then we yeah. had to realize, okay, what do we do with this? Because this is not normal. Sure. Like, there's no roadmap to right. this. And how do we, like, we're sure. friends before anything else. So how do we protect each other? How do we help each other? While also being honest. Um, yeah. And so we, we navigated that. And so um, I think one of the hardest things to do was, you know, I was trying to advocate for him, but also protect our privacy because that's just sure. the reality. That sort of news and information would have majorly distracted from his fight and his cause, yeah. the cause yeah. that deserved mm -hmm. all of the focus yeah. and all the attention exactly how we did it. Mm -hmm. And so I'm really proud sure. of navigating that. Um, every single bit of information is not for everybody. And so... Sure. You know, over time, we would share what we thought was most helpful and beneficial to share. Right. And now in the book, we're sharing some more. And so I just I, I love yeah. our, how we did that. But it was also hard because it's like when you're in love and you, and you love people, yeah. you just want to shout it from the rooftops or um, yeah. kind of just not yeah. have to think about that. But, we can do it now. Yeah, we can do it now. <laughs> as far as going into a prison, um, how much of that did you end up doing or what was your first? Because I only know very different story but i've been in san quentin probably nine or ten times mm -hmm. got to know some of the um inmates their stories uh yeah. and um you know it's hard to describe to people um it just it's hard to describe what that experience is like mm -hmm. um and i don't know how you would describe it and i i didn't have um the, obviously i didn't have the relationship that you have um that was that was what you were doing. And, and it wasn't a fight like yours. It was just more of, Hey, show, show, show some care for these people. Um, mm -hmm. and we ended up <clears throat> wrote some letters for some people and things like that, but nowhere near your thing. But what would you say? <clears throat> and I'm sure you've spoken on this heading into that environment, um, that experience and what you felt. Yeah. <sighs> so the first time, I visited Jonathan at the Jefferson City Correctional Center. I was about 18 years old. Um, you know, I was heading into my freshman year at UConn, and I went with my godparents, Sherry and Reggie Williams. And so I grew up with my godparents in Missouri, and then when we moved, we stayed in touch. They would come to my games in the holidays, and so we were still close. And so they were telling me about Jonathan's story uh, about two years before I went in there. And so I had kind of known about Jonathan had heard about him. And so I trusted, you know, my godparents. And so I wasn't just going in blind. 
Um, sure. So I think that helped me kind of have, um, you know, l- less anxiety and uncertainty. But it is definitely a humbling experience. I think more than anything, when you get to hear somebody's story and actually put your perspective down to pick up someone else's perspective, it's just, it's very humanizing. Um, It's humbling because you realize, oh, my perspective isn't the only perspective. It's not the true perspective. Like you need multiple perspectives and multiple angles and vantage points to even try to wrap your mind around uh, truth. And so, um, that was helpful for me to, to hear about his story, to appreciate what I have and to Mm -hmm. see what he didn't have and how he still somehow is survived. And yeah, is as well as he is, even though he's been through a lot of trauma, he's still living and giving life to people, even from that prison, Mm-hmm. He was a life-giving source. And I just was so inspired yeah. and just humbled um, that I thought it was an, an honor and a privilege to have a friend like him because it was just extraordinary yeah. what he was trying to do and the life that he was trying to live despite his injustice and his circumstances. So, um, But again, not yeah. everybody is wrongfully convicted, right? So you, you, you right. go into to prison and... You know, you just realize these are human beings. Everyone here is a human being. And let me just listen. If you just start with that posture and that approach, you are going to become a better human and probably help someone else feel more human just simply with that approach. Yeah. What you said is interesting because when I would, you know, and and I think what you said about the perspective, um, leaving your own and picking up theirs is, is a very succinct and good way of saying it because... Uh, I found when I would leave, people would say, thanks for coming. And the thanks was to them for Mm -hmm. revealing that part about life. That's kind of like if I was raised like a lot of these guys were um, probably decent chance I'm sitting where they are. Mm -hmm. You know, none of us can say we're so strong or better to overcome some impossible circumstances, you know, and so even the ones that were, like you said, not everybody's wrongly convicted. Some, some admit to their crimes and many, but, but, but also how they got there is the part that I think gets skipped over. Um, and so, you know, I think Jonathan's story is completely different because that wasn't, that was, like you said, injustice. Um, so I didn't get to experience. So when you're, when you're in that vein, in that capacity, um, I don't understand how someone can be what he what he is and what he was in the face of that, mm-hmm. right? Because because we all talk about oh life's not fair. Well, what about that? Yeah, you know, <laughs> like, like yeah. they cut me off or I got I got right. the coach didn't play me. Oh, right. I didn't make varsity as a sophomore. Right. Oh my god! Yeah, so he was such right. A so good, how does he? Yeah. yeah. He was such a good reality check for me. I think something was hard. Right. And I'd be like, hold on. And I'd get off of a phone call yeah. with Jonathan and I'd be like, my life is nothing compared to that. Let me get it together and keep pushing. So, yeah. What, what, was it his faith um, or is it? Uh, or is it, you know, I, I guess I can't, you, you can't imagine sitting in prison wrongly. Can, I don't think anybody can imagine that. We can try. Right. And you'd like to think, 
I know I, this isn't fair. So that drives me, that motivates me. But there has to be moments of kind of like, so what, you know, so this is my life. Is it just, how did in his, how do you, how did you move through that? Or how did you watch him move through that in his most, uh, is, is that faith? Is that an inner peace? Is that, yeah, there was moments where he was furious. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all of that. I think, man, what's what's coming to my mind when you're asking that question and the thing that I'm realizing more and more as I grow older is that everything is relationship. Like everything mm-hmm. is about the quality of the relationships that we have with God, with each other with the ground, with nature, like everything is supposed to be uh, working together and, and, and working mm-hmm. towards peace with each other within the diversity of how everything right. is. Like there's so much diverse creation, there's diverse people and it's all right. flowing from our creator. And so I think right. Jonathan having some foundation with his granny who, who did the best she could to raise him and then mm-hmm. when he met my great uncle, when Jonathan met my great uncle, Hugh Flowers, through a choir program, um, my great uncle just really saw Jonathan and breathed life into him and encouraged him. And mm-hmm. um, a relationship was formed where my great uncle essentially became like a father to Jonathan. Mm-hmm. And then through that mm-hmm. relationship, Jonathan met my godparents because my godmom is my great uncle's daughter. And then through mm-hmm. that relationship, I met Jonathan. And mm-hmm. so he'll be the first one to tell you. And Jonathan had relationships inside with other men, other Christian men, too, that mentored him, that kept him safe, that taught him things, uh, some non-Christian, like just people um, yeah. coming into his life, impacting him, which helped him then impact other people. And so his key to survival and staying um well was all relational whether that was with god whether that was with people um encouraging him and just with himself of just right so many people a handful of people not a ton but just a handful all you yeah. need is a handful of people to believe in yeah. you yeah and you believe in yourself and then he just that combination of outside belief inside belief heavenly father yeah. belief mentor yeah. belief family belief like you just got to keep having that that rhythm yeah. of believing in your humanity and believing in um, yeah. life. And so I think that yeah. was, uh, as well as going to the depths, like Jonathan goes there in the book. He, he talks about some of his darkest yeah. moments and, yeah. and how yeah. he was snatched out of near death situations or so it's yeah. all of that. Yeah. 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 It's it, the relationship part is so, um, you know, when you talked about playing, and you talk about Jonathan, and um, you talk about your counsel you keep. I, I think that I agree completely, but you, says, you say it very well that the, the life, what moves you are your, are your relationships, um, good or bad, right? And, mm-hmm. and um, figuring out how you find those, how you keep those, mm-hmm. how you protect those. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody that's well-known as you, probably has to work a little harder because you you probably have great optionality. I mean, you can meet, you want to pick up and call President Obama, you probably can or you have. Um, you can say, I want to go talk to this person. 
um, and you, you 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 could, but you 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 send. It seems to me, um, just talking to you, you have kind of that piece. Um, I don't know. I, I it seems like you do. You seem like a pretty grounded, um, well thought out. And it, you, you joked about people that know you say you don't listen. I might say like you're pretty sure of your compass. You know, you're not, you don't seem to be, and I'm sure we're all have our own self doubt, but I don't know if that's been you. That's, that's who you are now through this recent, or if you're just in the perfect place now, maybe as a mom, Mm -hmm. you know, I want to talk about like what that did to you. Yeah. Where you you just feel like you have this clarity of, of uh, mind and thought that is not, that's pretty rare. Yeah. It's pretty rare for, for not, not, not for somebody. That's just a rare thing in a person. Yeah. 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 I mean, I think um, there is a aspect of my, my faith journey that when I was in middle school, I say this in the book, like I, I went to several different middle schools and if any of us who are human remember middle school, <laughs> it's not the most fun time. You are trying to figure yourself out. You are, um, again, with some of the brain science that's come out, like your identity and group identity is starting to be formed at like that puberty mm-hmm. time, like 12, 13, 14. And so mm-hmm. I had a my group identity journey of like, who am I? Who are my people? Was disrupted in, in, in a way that worked out for me because I ended up leaning more into God and like that isolation and that loneliness actually cleared out things so that I could really kind of see what was real and what was mm-hmm. um, more true uh, in that season of life. And then um, so I had a pretty strong sense of self and identity before basketball really took off. So I'm so thankful for yeah. that. I never really struggled with, yeah. is my identity, my performance, or is it basketball? Which is a real struggle. Um, yeah. But then I, had yeah. To, then I had to deal with learning that just because my identity is solid doesn't mean I can just not interact with people. Like I would kind of probably lean more yeah. towards that I'm good, so I'm just gonna do me. Yeah, yeah. As opposed yeah. to yeah. You know, like yeah. connect with people. So I had my own work to do in, in, in yeah. that. But yeah. I think some of what you're seeing as far as like, yeah, I, I never really gave into peer pressure. Like that just wasn't my struggle. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's just some of that might be just how I'm wired in personality. But then I also think um, the the vision that I learned from following Jesus as far as the, the, the path to life and what that looks like and the characteristics that that yeah. looks like and the people, like how what kind of people are we supposed to be and what kind of things are we supposed to value and um, I really believed it and I tried to, yeah. to go that way. And it led me to have more peace than I think I would have if I didn't. Yeah. Um, yeah. but I yeah. also think I'm at a point in life too, where I am more connected to people long-term than I ever have been. And so when I mentioned before about that, laying my perspective down to pick up someone else's, yeah. that's a, a recent lesson I've learned probably in the last like two years, like even more right. like being married, sure. if anybody's married, you yeah. know, like. Yeah, I, you are tested as far as your ability to be selfish and yeah, thinking you're right yeah. and and yeah. learning to lay things down 
in order to pick up somebody oh. else's. So I think just the cl- my my clarity, I think more so is just a posture, just clarity of posture yeah. as I as I engage with people that is just about humility, and I'm still learning it, yeah. and I don't like always yeah. learning it because we we realize we have blind spots and we have weaknesses and. Yeah. But um, I do feel like I've grown so much over the last few years. More Lead by Example after this. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible because we're already doing it all while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and six one since that matters. And what do I even say other than, hey, <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. And we're back. Is it hard? You talked about middle school. Sometimes when that stuff happens, you, I think you, you become almost hyper self-sufficient. And um, have you found in your life or your marriage where you is it hard for you to ask for help man why'd you bring that up are you kind of like that person that's like i got this what i said why'd you bring that up self-sufficient what i don't asking for help yeah that's a real thing that is yeah i mean you would think being a team player like playing on a team that that would just be something we get good at it's like no it's it's a whole no deeply like rooted thing of being afraid that no one else is going to take care of you, but you and, yeah. you know, moving yeah. around like that in middle school and culture shock, moving from yeah. the Midwest to the South yeah. and not having friends mm-hmm. and being tall. And then, um, yeah. you know, when you are good at a sport, like people treat you different and there's yeah. perks that come right. with it, but then there's a loneliness and it's just you yeah. trusting people's motives and intentions. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, you're moving around so much. So I think that, I'm going to take care of me self-sufficient. I mean, even being a black woman, you know, you got to take care of you and just all the roots of that in our country's history. And it's a whole, there's some good to it. You know, you want to be self-aware, but there's also a beauty of interdependence that you miss out on. Um, If if, if you don't have people in your life that you can depend on and, 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 and work with and, rest so that they can yeah. take care of you or you know just that yeah. dynamic of asking for help and so i think again i've grown in that a lot too sure. um over the last few years but i've also witnessed as a player being on really good teams like i've never really been on a bad team i've been on maybe good you have teams. something to do with that you <laughs> might you might have some personal i mean <laughs> Yes, but yeah. I've played with other great players yeah. where I've seen like, oh, I don't have to yeah. do it all. But I still think there's that thing yeah. in, in a lot of yeah. us that still think we we need to be ready to do it all at any moment. It's like, yeah, eh. yeah. Maybe. How how has the help? How has um your mom, your son, 
are you able to ask for help there? Or are you kind of the mom that's, I don't need, I got this. Because, because I think no mom does. I'm not being critical of you. I have three daughters. Um, my wife is, loves being a mom um, and, and uh, just finds that she, that's her thing. Um, but, you know, for someone that, I also see mothers take on the, the, the weight of it all, you know, and, 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 and you, you know a little bit what I'm talking about. You're like, I got, I'm going to do everything. You, you actually can't. Yep. But it, has that helped in your journey of like, I, I, I can't, he's, he's going to do some stuff or I need some help here. Yeah. Has that helped at all there? You know, my path to motherhood, I became a mother later. You know, I was 30, yeah. what am I, 33. So I was 32 when I had JJ. And um, like we were talking about, some of the things that I've been learning as far as humility, um, the cost of things. And so you have to say no, because I don't want to pay that mm -hmm. cost. I can't do it all. True. So I'm going to do what I feel yeah. called to do and do that with all I have. And so mm -hmm. those lessons of you can't do it all, we, we shouldn't do it all. Like that's actually yeah. not how we True. become our best as a human, human race. Like we become our best. Mm -hmm. when we play our role. We have clarity about our role and we work together and we share, we give and take, we celebrate other people, we right. do our thing when it's time, and we just kind of, we move together as a community. And so I learned that in right. basketball some. I learned that in these last few years being home and rooted more. And mm -hmm. I learned it when I was doing my criminal justice learning time, uh, still learning, mm -hmm. but you know, about five years yeah. ago, I learned like, oh, this thing is huge. I can't tackle this whole thing. Yeah. So... Right. My guy, Mike, told me, pick a lane and run in it, and then you can stay sure. above water. Yeah. Um, so just right. little little lessons here and there from different spheres yeah. of life, um, you know, asking for help. It's, it's, I've just, yeah. I guess I've seen it done well, like people sure. in a healthy way asking for help, yeah. getting help, and then becoming healthier. So it, just, it didn't necessarily yeah. have a negative connotation. My mom asked yeah. for help. And she got help. Yeah. And we all need help. Yeah. Like, I guess my growing yeah, up, like, we, we received help. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, and it worked out. And so I'm, I, I, I entered into motherhood, I think, thankfully, with more life experience yeah. of that posture on top of yeah. having help that I trust around. So I've got my mom, I've got my godparents, sure. I've got my husband, I've got uh, yeah. an awesome community to where if I need yeah. help, I, I actually can get it. So that's not good. necessarily yeah. normal either. No, that's I'm great. So that's really good. So I've yeah. been, I've been doing this yeah. for almost a year now. He's, he's going to turn one next month. Good. And, uh, I don't hear him crying in the background. So. My daddy's got him. <laughs> what have, um, last question. <laughs> <laughs> Daddy. Yeah. He's got him. I, uh, so, so last one, yeah, last, last one. Um, I asked this to a few of the other guests, but I'm always fascinated by the answers. So I don't know if JJ, as you call him, will be, uh, if you'll have more kids and if you do or don't, um, but when he's older and he's asked the question by a friend or anyone, what was your mom like? And what was your mom like growing up? What do, you, what, do you, what do you wish for? What do you hope for that answer to be? Oh man, trying to make everybody cry, huh? Uh, 
<laughs> That's a deep question. Uh, one of the most defining questions, right? Your, right? your legacy, your impact on the people that know you the best, um, the people that you can't hide from because they see you. <laughs> um, yeah. I would like my baby boy and any future children, Lord willing, we have to say mom was a genuine person. She was authentic. Mm-hmm. Um, she loved really hard and um, really modeled for me how to live in a way that matters, you know, for what matters most and really mm-hmm. taught me how to do relationships well. Like she taught me what it looked like to relate to mm-hmm. my people. Cause again, I just, right. I just feel like relationship. I'm just, as I get older of like, that's what, that's where energy needs to be spent is in quality, yeah. Yeah. quality relationships with, you know, your creator, each other, mm-hmm. our environment. Mm-hmm. And mom, yeah. mom showed me what that, what that looked like. And, um, yeah, and she was present. She was there, and yeah, um, yeah, just being real, and that it's okay to be real. It's okay yeah. to yeah have limits. It's okay to be great. It's okay to uh, yeah. be in process. So yeah, hopefully he'll say something it, it, it's something along those answer. lines. Um, no, it's a great answer. I think um, you there's so many definitions of success uh, that I hear. And the one I like the most is for the people that know you best to love you most. So, so, mm-hmm. so, so many people probably love you that don't know you and that's fine. That's nothing wrong with that. But if, if you become one of those people that are loved from afar, but not from yeah. up close, mm-hmm. um, that's a, that's not success. Yeah. But, but our, unfortunately, some people, Maya would say, even if you didn't have a relationship, which Sounds like that would never happen with your son. Oh my gosh, Maya's so successful. And, and, and then your good friends or your family, and like I said, this won't be you. Yeah, he's not so great. Yeah. You know, that, that, that is not success, right? Right. right. And, and your, your, word, your word choice of real and um, authentic, and it's almost like that's enough, right? Those answers are enough. What was your mom like? She was authentic. She was, she loved me hard. Like she, she was real. Like that's as high of a compliment. I mean, right. Can, right. I like mean, what else do you want? Oh, she won. She also won for, <laughs> you know, title, you know, but that's good too. Right. You'd be like that. Whoa. But, but if you're going to choose where, you know, what you want the answer to be. You didn't start with, I want my son to know that I won. I was a winner, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's kind of a backwards thing, but you mm-hmm. seem to have figured out pretty well the order of things. And, um, mm-hmm. that's great. And, uh, it's been great. I, I appreciate having you on and, uh, good luck and congratulations on the book. And, um, you, you what a, what a life you've led. So thanks for coming on. Oh, this was awesome. I really enjoyed talking to you. Hopefully I'll, I'll meet you in person one day. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you.